God save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I always get quite excited when I hear that music being played on the radio and think, oh, podcast, lovely. So I am your host, Anne Gripper, back again with Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hello, Russell. Hello. I have to How show are you? you. I'm right, thank you. I have to share with you a comment from one of our Instagram followers who commented on your, in fact, it wasn't last week's selfie, it was the week before because I was a bit slack and totally forgot to put up last week's. Uh, so Leslie on Instagram said, Russell has bed head and bed clothes. And I can assure <laughs> Leslie that Russell is looking very much the same today <laughs> with his I resplendent have... locks. Well, I have changed in the last two months. Bed clothes? I was wearing a t shirt. I uh, probably ironed it. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily straight out of bed. <laughs> could well, be a whole different that... show entirely <laughs> not quite the same as in bed with madonna anyway moving <laughs> swiftly on this show has gone off the rails already it's very nice to see you again russell um when we talked together a week ago so we we had our regular chat and then we also shared an interview that i'd done previously with nigel cawthorn who'd written a new book about prince andrew and uh, his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein and obviously all of the scandal that has evolved after that. And while our lovely producer, Dan Jackson, was doing the editing, the bombshell news dropped that Ghislaine Maxwell had been arrested, which in relation to this inquiry, um, she's always denied any involvement or knowledge of any of the allegations in relation to it. Um, But obviously the investigation into the whole situation is ongoing um what is the current situation well i mean it's changing every sort of half day at the moment i think sort of since Ghislaine maxwell was uh, arrested at a a place called tucked away this new house that she bought uh sort of in the woods of new hampshire very very nice place that she bought for a million dollars out the way um you know, it, the, the pressure is really, really ramping up. So, I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell is due in court once again uh, on Friday, where she will um, no doubt have to appear to answer these charges that are labelled against her. She is up again on six charges relating to trafficking of a minor, um, also perjury charges, which are very, very interesting indeed, that will allege that she has previously lied about her involvement, um, facilitating minors and women for sex abuse um, to, you know, to, to, against Jeffrey Epstein. Now, the issue here is that these charges relate to uh, a period of time from 1994 to 1997, which is, of course, before Prince Andrew had met Jeffrey Epstein. But the twist in... Uh, this case over the last couple of days is that very prominent lawyers that our listeners will no doubt have heard of over the last few months um, have been making certain claims that more victims are yet to come out and more victims have been contacting the lawyers involved. One of the lawyers involved who represents Virginia roberts Gouffray, who is uh, Prince Andrew's accuser, um, Brad Williams has been saying that he believes that there are other victims yet to come forward who will also lay claim to the fact that they were in the presence of Prince Andrew when they were subject to a catalogue of abuse from Jeffrey Epstein. Now, the issue here is, of course, Prince Andrew has denied any wrongdoing against these allegations that have been labelled against him, uh, whether that's Virginia Roberts, um, claims that she was 
uh, sexually abused essentially by Prince Andrew. Um, but one of the other prominent lawyers, Laurie Allred, who, who represents a number of the victims, has claimed this week that she has had British women that have come forward to claim that they were abused by Jeffrey Epstein. She also was quite bullish in her remarks about Andrew, uh, saying that you know he is waiting for an invitation to speak to the FBI, which in quotes want, he wants to be delivered on a silver platter. Now these are very, very damaging. Uh, claims and allegations indeed and I think well when Ghislaine Maxwell is now in the picture um, the authorities had you know not picked her up for the best part of a year they they actually admitted that they had had her under surveillance for quite some time and had lost her a couple of times over the last year and that's why they swooped because this case is really really gathering pace at the moment now Andrew has obviously been a, a lifelong, um, well, a long-term friend of Ghislaine Maxwell and her arrest and charges will not only heap further pressure on him but further pressure on the investigators and Andrew's team to, to try and, you know, knock their heads together and talk because the, uh, the state prosecutor, Audrey Strauss, who is now in charge of this case, the, the, the Manhattan pros- prosecutor, has said that she would welcome um, some form of statement, some sort of form of cooperation from from the Duke. But his team, you know, have, have personally told me over the last few days that they are, uh, you know, not only bewildered by this course of action that the state prosecutors have taken, because um, Andrew has offered to cooperate in, uh, you know, no, no less than three occasions over the past um, few months. So, I mean, this is a long-running saga, and no doubt people at the palace are watching this very, very intently. Uh, and and Andrew really needs to get his ducks in a row. Certainly, he he has a a choice to make now because the U.S. prosecutors keep on repeating this statement that they want to speak to him. And I think I've previously said it: it can't just be as simple as you know they're in in touch with the wrong people or they're sending the requests to the wrong email addresses. What whatever side that is, I think that. Um, the pressure will be on Andrew, and uh, and he's got to make that date. He's got to be inking that date in his diary to speak to the U.S. prosecutors because this is certainly not going go going to go away anytime soon. And then over the weekend as well, there was that incredible picture that was um, published by the Telegraph of Ghislaine Maxwell sitting on one of the thrones alongside Kevin Spacey, of all people, inside Buckingham Palace. Well, this is you know an astonishing image, and this uh, this story was around. Uh, about three years ago actually revealed by the Sunday Times that uh, it was Kevin Spacey who was larking around on the Queen's throne and now it turns out that he was sitting next to Ghislaine Maxwell of all people. Now this this image which is particularly striking that has come out uh, was, you know, we don't know who it was taken by but it obviously shows them on the uh, the, the Queen's throne, the Duke of Edinburgh's throne, those two individuals um, larking around it would seem and it just calls into question Andrew's judgment and that is what people at the palace are saying they're saying that this you know further paints him in in, in quite uh, an unfortunate light not only calls into question his judgment of who he was uh, mixing with we understand that he wasn't at the uh, the palace at the time but he did organize the tour for Ghislaine Maxwell and Kevin Spacey uh, on that occasion so the fact that he'd organized the tour personal guests of his and he wasn't there to supervise them is um is quite worrying indeed for the people at the palace and i think that they are really watching this case intently uh to see you know whether Ghislaine does cooperate with the authorities that is certainly a worry uh for for his team because Ghislaine 
has been a, a close confidant of uh, of Andrews for a long time, and she will know where essentially potentially will know lots of secrets of Jeffrey Epstein. So whether she does choose to cooperate, I think that there will be uh, potentially some nervous individuals indeed. Uh, so you know we watch, we we wait and watch to see what has happened is going to happen. Um, the same prosecutors on the stage even said that they are waiting to see what level of cooperation there will be. And, uh, you know, as with uh, US law, sometimes there is a, a deal to be made. So, um, you know, it's, it's a particularly interesting situation to see how it develops. And I will just recommend to listeners as well, actually, there was a, an article written by Vassy Chamberlain that was reproduced in The Times today, but it was originally on airmail. Um, at the end of last year, the airmail headline is Naughty Nights with Randy Andy. And it is just, I don't know, it it just gives a bit of an insight into his, like his character really, and the the kind of person that he is. Obviously it's her her view and she's spoken to people that kind of hung out with him and and were ex-girlfriends and that kind of thing. But that sort of, playboy prince atmosphere and um how he treated people and that the most of his joke would end with and i'm the duke of york or something just that kind of sense of um what's the bombasticness and like ridiculousness of as a as a sort of individual like it's a bit um it's a bit sad and it's a bit needy and it's a bit um uh, just a bit sort of uncomfortable and like this is someone who is in the heart of the royal family and just seems so different at least from the public personas that we see of the of the other members of the royal family so that was um that was a very interesting read with my muesli this morning so i would recommend it i think on on that point as well Anne, it's, it's been quite interesting to see people uh, who know galen speak out this week and there's a, a friend of hers called lauren um, goldman who has been speaking to a lot of british media and 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 she has said that Galen won't necessarily speak about Andy because she obviously valued them their friendship so well. However, she also did say that her opinion, and I think she was speaking of, you know, on behalf of Galen here, um, that if Andrew was sort of in the vicinity of any alleged abuse that was taking place, he may not have necessarily been aware of it because he was just uh, you know, not necessarily um, all too intelligent. She called him entitled, spoiled, petulant. And I think, you know, th- these, these are um, char- character uh, plays that have been labelled at Andrew throughout the years. And his character has been called into question over the decades. And he's, he's had this sort of bombasticness, self-entitled uh, aura around him. So it's, it comes as no surprise that people would, would now be, be saying this. But nevertheless, uh, this case is going to run and run. Um, and I think we're all, we're all waiting to see how it develops. And realistically, while the case runs, every time it comes up, there will be the question of whether or not he has yet had that conversation with the investigators. So, exactly. you know, and given that you and I have managed to be talking to each other for pretty much every week since we have been in the lockdown, there are ways that can be found to have to have these communications, <laughs> even in unusual times. So maybe we'll get him on the pod. You, know, you never know. We'll do it. That we could we could mediate and facilitate and <laughs> and bring bring that all bring that all together. So anyway, I'm sure we will be talking about this again in the future. But enough of 
enough of that for today. Let's talk about what some of the other members of the royal family have been up to. There's lots to talk about as ever. A bit of William and Kate, lots of Camilla with her debut on the radio or the wireless, as she says she likes to, to call it, as she grew up with, and um, Harry and Meghan as well. So plenty to talk about there. Um, in terms of Harry and Meghan, we saw Harry outside of his uh, of his sort of cupboard hostage videos. He was out actually in the garden <laughs> talking about uh, doing a video for Centrebale, talking about resilience. Well, I don't. I think the body language experts have uh, a quids in because every time he does appear on one of these videos. Um, He's, he's, his body language and his setup is being widely ri- uh, poured over, isn't it? I mean, this one was quite interesting, actually, and it involved Meghan this time. Um, uh, Harry has been quite vocal over the last few weeks, and I think um, he's, uh, you know, he's been quite celebrated for, for, for having the, the courage, really, to speak about institutionalised racism and what that means. And at the Diana Awards last week, I think he was quite forthright in his views, but essentially pol- apologising for institutionalised racism in society that he has labelled as endemic. And with the, um, you know, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement throughout the world and, and uh, individually, we're, we're seeing this in, in, in different countries all over Europe and the US. It's become such a major, major issue. It's great that it's getting more play. Now, Harry and Meghan were speaking to some young leaders from the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, and this is something that they have kept their sort of presidential roles of, but they've, um, you know, I I don't feel that they would have necessarily been permitted or felt comfortable in making these sorts of statements had they been still within their roles as senior working members of the royal family but harry was interestingly saying you know there is no way the commonwealth can have a future unless it it acknowledges its past and and this is pretty punchy because just to quote him i mean he was speaking to this group virtual weekly meetings that have been created in response to this uh, you know the growing black lives matter movement and he was saying that there's no turning back now everything is coming to a head and this is very very interesting i'll just give you a bit more of a flavor of what he said he said when you look across the commonwealth there is no way we can move forward until we acknowledge the past so many people have done an incredible job of acknowledging the past and trying to right those wrongs but i think we all acknowledge there is still so much to do it's not going to be easy in some cases and it's not going to be comfortable but it needs to be done because guess what everybody benefits now there's a there's kind of a strange uh, segue here because obviously these are very very punchy potentially political statements talking about the history of the Commonwealth, um, you know that his his grandmother is head of his father will take over as head of the Commonwealth 50, 54 nations within the Commonwealth. So um, he obviously feels comfortable that he he can make these kinds of statements now, and I think that it, it is being welcome in some quarters and this is something that we're going to see a lot more of uh you know speaking privately to people the the uh the non-profit organization they're setting up archwell is certainly going to take a more social justice platform and i think that's definitely what we're going to see uh of from harry and megan over the next few months and years uh and they they obviously free feel free of the shackles of sort of the royal institution and and this is um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that develops and whether it will be, um, you know, at, in complete contrast to the, the, the royal family shying away from political um, issues. I mean, I will say on this point, because 
I think some of the criticism criticism of Harry and Meghan speaking about these issues so forthrightly uh, was was quite unfair because certain people were saying, well, you know, you need to understand this history. You know, the Commonwealth has done a great deal of good for these nations. However, um, you know, Prince Charles himself said in 2018 during a trip to Ghana, he actually apologised for the, the appalling atrocity and, in, in his words, the indelible stain on the world that the transatlantic slave trade has left uh, on our history. And I think that sometimes people forget that these massive statements have been made by Prince Charles, you know, someone who will be the head of the Commonwealth. And for him to make that those sorts of statements uh, in Africa is a, is, a, is a huge moment and potentially... Harry has uh, has Charles's blessing to, to to carry on with these important statements of um of the of the, the time we're living in now. And it is it is interesting thinking back about history, and you know I'm sure you're having these kind of thought processes in the same way as I am, and talking to different people and seeing different articles shared and people reflecting in in different ways on the past and how they've understood things or how they've been taught things and um there was a panel discussion at work one of um, the lady who i work with who spent part of her part of her childhood in nigeria and part of her childhood in the uk and just reflecting on the different ways that the same thing could be taught and you know the classic thing of in Britain being proud of kind of empire and the building of the empire and going out and um, you know sort of building up this tremendous you know all the all the pink on the map as it were and being a a quote unquote kind of civilizing influence and then actually in Nigeria you know they had they had civilization they had religion they had all of these different things and it just was theirs as opposed to the one that was imposed by, by, the, pe- exactly. by the people by the people who came and you know that whole kind of sense of pride in having had an empire and then sort of you know our, our status in the world is diminished by no longer having an empire like even reviewing the bit that we had an empire in in the first place is uncomfortable and something to think about and how do you how do you deal with it was a thing of its time but that doesn't make it okay and actually you can't change the past but how do you turn it into something that can be a positive and a force for good for the future and i i would imagine that is what when when the empire essentially became the commonwealth as countries regained their independence and set out on the back out on their own paths having been part of the empire and the, the commonwealth was formed because actually you know having friends and being able to do things together and being able to learn from each other is a is a positive thing so that's my current under that's how i feel about it no i, at the I moment. think but i'm interested yeah. i'm interested to find out more about it so well i think i think you're right and i think it's it's about person recognizing personal experiences and certainly things i've read this week uh from certain commentators were suggesting that Harry could have been a bit more personal on it and maybe he didn't go far enough I mean a lot a lot of these things are damned if you do don't if you don't don't you I mean and and it's um, an uncomfortable truth for Harry that he has made racist remarks in the past certainly um, the, the the language he used in 2006 when he he, he, uh, he named a, an Asian platoon member uh, a very derogatory term. He, he called. He, he spoke about the uh, head headdress of, of another 
um, chap in his company, and and he he made apologies for those. And he, at the time, he had he'd said how he was very sorry to have caused offence, and we hark back to you know him wearing the Nazi costume as well. So he's obviously learning from his own experiences, and you know maybe he could have used a bit more uh, personal experience in that. But I think reading between the lines, that's what he is doing, and maybe he doesn't want to sort of rake over old coals. Um, and it, it, it's not a great leap to to suggest that these are the comments he's making because he's been um, he's been thinking about his own behaviour in, in the past. And now, listen, he's he was a young man at the time he's made these comments he was obviously very very uh was ashamed of them at the time and 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 dare say he is now but he's learning from his mistakes and that's why he's trying to sort of make these comments to to say that we do need to to recognize these wrongs and it's about time that um you know we we, we had a conversation about it so yeah time a time of learning for lots of people and we all have to keep learning as we as we go through life because not not least because the world the world keeps changing um and latest change for us was the pubs opened at the weekend which Hurrah. was exciting william was william was pictured on the front pages drinking a little a little I don't know, there was a pint of a cider. Half pint of it was cider. Oh, just... I've got into drinking cider in the last couple of years. I'm not normally, I can't drink anything in pints, but. Well, that's I, what they drink in Cornwall, I, don't they? Well, they do drink it in Cornwall, but I've never really fully appreciated it. It's actually Suffolk cider that I like, but there we go. Oh, have very you, nice. Have you, Russell still has not been to the hairdresser, but he tells me. <laughs> to to but um, have you been? No, it's booked. It's, it's booked in. It's booked in. My, my haircut is booked in, I'm sure. Uh, the many fans of my hairstyles around the world will, <laughs> will no doubt be overjoyed. Although I am kind of dreading it, actually. I'm, I've, I've grown used to this absolutely ridiculous mop on my head. But um, no, I haven't been to the pub yet. I'm keeping I'm keeping it low key. I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of um, chatter about Super Saturday, and then when you see the the hordes of people out, I was glad I didn't get out. But hopefully, I will find a nice country pub somewhere. I'm actually live to you from beautiful sunny Wales today. That you will you'll see on the picture if Anne remembers to put it up. I'll definitely put it up this week because we have um, to say goodbye to your hair and hello to Wales. And I think so. This was this was something that I I meant to mention during the course of our conversation uh, last week. That one of the things that I found really interesting about lockdown is that we have all had to learn actually how differently England, Wales and Scotland are now run in a lot of ways because because you know we were talking about it in relation to whether the queen was going to be able to go to Balmoral a lot or not and the rules being different there whereas like in England people had started moving about Scotland's rules are different Wales's rules are different and it is just it has been probably the most separate in some ways that our parts of the United Kingdom have ever really felt. Well, this is it. I mean, it's slightly off track at the moment, but I, you know, I'm in Wales and the only reason we're able to be here is because it's my wife's granny's house. And, but I don't, they're not opening up their sort of B&Bs and their hotels till next week, but you are allowed to, you know, go to a family home, second home or, 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 or create bubbles with other people. So essentially, so I'm not breaking the law, just, just clarity. Um, but it is interesting because a lot of people have been traveling around sort of England and we, we were told we could travel as much as we wanted. And, and certainly Scotland and Wales are, are treating uh, the virus very, very differently. And just being here at the moment, this place, I mean, what are we now? The 8th, 8th of July, this place would normally be just getting busy, ready for the summer holidays. And it is absolutely dead. And, you know, that makes you think, gosh, we've we've actually been through 
quite a lot over the last few months, haven't we? And a lot of people do feel very, very nervous about where we are. And I think we're slow, only just slowly seeing the Royals getting out and about. Certainly, the Cambridges haven't even returned to London at the moment than they could have done because Charlotte could have gone back to school. But they've wanted to keep the family together. And I think a lot of parents feel like that, that they've you know, been through so much as a family and they've kind of got a routine together. A lot of offices aren't going to go back till September, October. Some have even shut for the rest of the year. So we are going to have to find a very, very different way of working. Um, and certainly the Royals, pulling it back to that, they, they, they've, they've been great at doing that. They've been doing a lot of video calling. They, I think video calls will run alongside engagements now because they feel that their reach can be so much uh, better used um, so I won't be surprised if we see them pop up on video calls speaking to people all over the country because a visit is great. It, it's great to have engagements, but the problem is at the moment crowds and you're seeing engagements taking place and they're not being publicised um, beforehand because people are worried about crowds. So we're still very, very much in a sort of faux lockdown kind of, you know, trying to pull ourselves into a new normal. I hate that phrase, but it is... It's very, very true. And I think we're just going to get have to get used to it for, for quite a long while yet. But there was a very nice in-person event for William and Kate for the NHS once again over the weekend. And Kate was wearing a Bula, it was a blue dress that she quite often does when it's NHS related things. But this is notable because it was worn by one Holly Willoughby, who those of you who listened to um, the show with Judy James a few weeks ago, we were talking about William and Kate as being a bit like the uh, Holly and Phil of lockdown, as because they're oh, such surely, a... surely we're the Holly and Phil of lockdown. Well, you know. well yeah, maybe, maybe we're the Piers and Susanna. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> a bit more feisty. <laughs> Um, I did. I didn't notice the dress. I did notice it, notice it was a blue dress, but that's as far as my uh, very nice little white. I don't know if it's a Peter Pan collar, but a bit pointier. So it's it was very stylish. I'm, I will and take your word for it, but I did I, notice it. Can I just say, Russell, you haven't commented on the fact I'm wearing a new dress today, and I'm very disappointed. I mean, you're probably watching on a tiny screen, but I am. Um, you know, it's very floral. It's very it, nice. <laughs> But ladies or anybody who is listening, I can tell you that one of the best things that you can do is accept that you are not the size that you were when you bought all of your clothes. Buy some new things and you immediately feel slightly more glamorous because the things actually fit. Um, so that is that is my is, coronavirus lockdown secret. This is all and the only reason I'm wearing T-shirts. I probably wouldn't fit into most of my shirts at the moment. I must stop eating self-baked cakes oh, I'm done claiming I bake them I don't even bake them I just consume them but anyway anyway uh, so the NHS tea party which presumably also had cake they did have cake they were paying tribute to our NHS heroes as they have done throughout the coronavirus crisis and basically you know William's words saying to the the doctors, nurses and hospital staff who were uh, gathered at the, the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Kingsling which is near to their Anna Hall home in Norfolk just William saying you know everyone has really appreciated what you do. And it's, you know, very significant because it was the NHS's birthday last week, 72 years old. Uh, and they were speaking to um, a medic called Susie Vaughan, actually. And she had been in the news uh, over the last few weeks because she had been kept away from her children or you know, enforced a separation herself from her, her children, Bella, who was nine, and Hetty, seven, because she was working on the front line and obviously so concerned about the virus and she was working in such close quarters with all the doctors and nurses who have you know, worked tirelessly and selflessly throughout the whole crisis. And she'd recently 
just been uh, reunited with them. And I think that got quite a lot of play all over social media. I'd seen it and it was really, 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 really emotive. And, uh, and William and Kate was speaking to her just about the challenges that they'd experienced. And I think a lot of people have, not only just in the UK, we've, we've, we've been coming out doing our clap for carers, but, you know, all over the, the world, really, people have sat up and took taken notice of how selfless and dedicated our health workers are and our key workers and that they've got us through to this um through this crisis and we're just coming at the, the other end of it uh and and again i think that hopefully as a society we're sort of pulling together a little bit more and recognizing the sort of sacrifices people are making and i think that the cambridges have, have really highlighted that very very well over the crisis and probably that may have helped propel Kate to the top of our poll. We had four and a half thousand people who voted to say who their favourite royal was. And Kate came out top of the pops, beating the Queen by more than 500 votes. She did. And I was speaking about this on, uh, on Good Morning Britain on the Rain Kelly show today. And I mean, Harry used to top these polls for eons over the last few years didn't he and then sort of his star is uh is wavering a little bit in certain quarters the queen obviously was uh, front and center for for many many years before him but i think this is an indication of how well the cambridges have done and they were number one and two weren't they at the top number of the, three top of the chain. William, william was number three which was a very Who's impressive it? performance and unusual so he beat his brother harry then came princess anne and then came megan so, so who, think- sorry who was two william was two Queen was two. Oh, Queen was two. The Queen oh, was two. Okay, and William was four. No, William was three. Never oh, mind. Harry never was mind. Four. Space, yes, never Amazing. mind. Space time continuum. Russell's having trouble with numbers. Today. <laughs> right. Okay. So the Queen was number four. I'm reading my wrong. No, notes. the Queen so, was number two. Two. So- <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Right. Let me do top of the pops. The- in one, one, yeah. In at number like one is, in at number is one. Kate. Duchess of Cambridge. Duchess of Cambridge. Number two. Number two, the Queen, perhaps slipping from the top spot, having been slightly less visible during the lockdown while she is shielding, maybe. Um, in three. In three, Prince William, who has been being a dab hand both alongside Kate and on his own and very visible during the lockdown and showing a bit more of his personal side and obviously he's done loads with the football and the mental health this year. Prince Harry came in at number four. Probably some people feel sad that he's gone over to the other side of the Atlantic and is is reworking out what he wants to do. Princess Anne, very impressive performance in at number five, clearly recognition for all of the hard work that she has done. And then Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, coming in in sixth. Again, I think there's probably that feeling of like big hopes and expectations and disappointment that they're maybe not going to be it's not going to be quite how we thought it or would be and maybe some people also saying well actually they're not quite royal anymore but I did think it was interesting and maybe a little bit worrying but also maybe actually this is just what happens that Charles and Camilla who are who are the next king and Queen consort, princess consort, whatever Camilla's title ends up being, they came, they came in lower down the rankings. As I thought, maybe- this was quite unfair. Nine and ten, I think they've done pretty well. He had coronavirus. Camilla's been brilliant, and I thought that, you know, Sophie Star is obviously rising because she's getting a lot more play. But who was number seven? Zara Phillips. 
Uh, I don't know, uh, maybe. Well, it must be, yeah. I can't remember. I haven't written them all down that far. But anyway, I think, I think yeah, that was quite unfair. I think Charles it, and Camilla have, have, done, have done pretty well. But it's hard. Well, it wasn't how, who's done best with coronavirus. It was who is your favourite. And if you've only got one, if you can rank them, like this, now we're, now we're going to go into like first past the fo- post versus voting versus like proportional representation and ranked lists and things. Yes. Single alternative vote or all of that complicated stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you were ranking them, you might come out with a very different answer. But if you've only got one vote that you can only give to one person and you have to, you have to, pick really really carefully and Charles and Camilla you know they're 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 great workhorses but I'm not sure that you get as immediate sense of who they are I mean Amber and I have long said that Camilla we would love to go and have a G&T with because we think she would be an absolute hoot and actually the places where I feel we have really got to understand a little bit more about who they are and what they care about and the kinds of people they are if you were going around to tea with them have been first of all prince charles's classic fm interview and um hosting and then yesterday uh camilla the duchess of cornwall was guest editing the emma barnett show on radio five live so emma barnett is a tremendous interviewer and tremendous presenter you can listen to it all on bbc sound so do do check it out so she went to clarence house at the end of last week had a chat with camilla as a sort of interview and then the show itself was based out of the patronages and interests that some of key Camilla um, projects really and I just thought it was it was very warm and they did actually comment at one stage about how you know you don't actually hear Camilla's voice very often if she is at something where she's speaking it's likely to be Prince Charles who takes the lead on it and she's not um, you know she she isn't in those leading ranks of getting the biggest most glamorous news coverage either on tv or in print or or on the internet i mean i, I think the probably previous to this the only thing that i can partic- i can most particularly remember her saying i think it must have been in relation to william and kate getting engaged and she was at the she was at west end and they said oh you know mom what's your reaction to it and she said oh it's wicked and she was watching <laughs> wicked at the theater and it was just but you know so that's how i can picture her voice but she said you know people get quite surprised when they do hear her because she has quite a low voice and it's very um what's the word you know there's a lot of character in her voice it's very particular once you know whose it is you would recognize it so when she was talking about ringing up ringing up the lady i can't remember she was called i think she was called betty or Doris, oh, um, yes. who she volunteers with. And yeah. you know, when she rang her up again, she said, hello, sorry, it's me again, type thing, rather than introducing who she was. But she does have a, a distinctive voice. And then that sense of the character you got, she, sounded, she was quite sort of self-effacing and... No, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. She's, you know, she's a... Uh, I think she's shown more of herself, been quite honest and um, candid speaking throughout the the lockdown especially and and, and perhaps a bigger audience is getting to know her work so she's made made massive strides within the domestic violence arena she's spoken very personally about that and how she's uh she's had personal experience of of it in terms of you know her friends close friends who had uh, you know unfortunately being victim to domestic violence and that has spurred her crusade if you will as to you know bringing this out in the open and, and trying to make it as part of a, a national conversation so, so we recognise the signs for, for anyone who else is going 
through that. Um, I thought this interview was fantastic. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of Emma Barnett's show. Um, the, you know, the, and, and if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and listen to it. It was, you know, her sitting in the guest editor's chair, essentially, sort of only speaking about her patronages, but being really honest and you know, very personal. She's speaking about, you know, hugging her grandchildren. And I think that's something that we've all experienced, haven't we? We've, we've missed friends and family. And even though we might be seeing them at a social distance now, as Camilla said, she had managed to see her grandchildren at social distance, we haven't been able to hug anyone. And that's, it's so weird that we're still actually going through this. And she said that this was, you know, the worst part of lockdown. And, and, and certainly I imagine it was fairly stressful when Charles contracted a uh, coronavirus and, and, and she spoke a little bit about that, but also speaking about her own family and how she, she'd really, really struggled like that. Interestingly enough, I did think, talking about sort of the royals on Zoom and why I think that we're going to see maybe a, a bit more of this in the future, Camilla was saying, you know, she, she readily admitted she was a, she's a technophobe. She, she said she didn't understand the point of the, <laughs> the internet and called it a wretched thing. However... She's been doing loads of Zoom calls. We've seen her reading from Roald Dahl's books, I think it was, earlier in the, in the coronavirus. And, um, and funny enough, she was saying that getting used to sort of this Zoom world, you can be business up top and party down below because she's been wearing her jeans all the time. Uh, although I, maybe I should be wearing, if you show me up, maybe I should be putting a shirt and tie and keeping my shorts on <laughs> on the bottom <laughs> half. But um I think it was a great interview. She spoke about a load of wide-ranging topic, topics. We've covered her doing Silver Swans in the past. And I just did some Silver Swans this. this week. Did you? I did. I did some stretching. If you can hear weird noises at the moment, I think the husband must be being good and doing the washing up downstairs because oh the sink that's in this God. room is making some complimentary glugging, if that's going to be. Yeah, I did, I did the first episode, first episode, well first lesson on the Royal Academy of Dance's YouTube. So it's just some nice... Gentle stretches and plies, and I have to say, I felt a bit taller at the end of it. I'm Very good. To stand up straight. <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend uh, it to people. Anyway, check it, check it out. It was great. I, I really, really enjoyed listening to it, and I think Camilla has endeared herself to uh, many more people o- over this lockdown. And um, yeah, they are they're back in London now, so they're going to start getting back out and about into sort of physical engagements i think and the cambridges and charles and camilla will be uh, will be putting their best foot forward because i think they do realize as well coming back to this you know adage of the queen saying they, they must be seen to be believed and i think that it's, it's part of moving on isn't it it's part of we're not going to see any tours for a long time i would imagine um we might not see a great deal of activity over the summer because the royals normally take august off and i think that's they, uh, we might see some, some of the Cambridges doing a bit more things, potentially because William's involved in 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 some organisations which will still be running over the summer. But um, hopefully they'll still be doing a, a bit of bit of zooming to keep us all entertained. With Camilla, I think it's interesting that the it feels like it's only really this year that she started speaking out on the domestic violence stuff, or that certainly that we've been paying attention to it. Um, and when she was talking about it with Emma Barnett and talking about it being a taboo thing and sort of breaking that taboo, it reminded me of the work that William and Harry and, and Kate have done in changing that conversation on mental health and whether she is hoping that she can 
pick up this cause and bring it forward and change people's lives and change the conversation around it. And, you know, she sort of spoke really movingly about the meeting that she went to, which really inspired her to get more involved and keep going with it rather than it just being a, a minor part of her, um, of her work where there was a, a woman who stood up in, in the circle to tell of her experience, which was of her, daughter who's abusive partner and um, there was a you know police restraining order and things but he was allowed to see the kids came home was carrying the satchels said he had to come in because the satchels were heavy and took out a hammer and mm. beat this woman's daughter to death in front of the children and it had clearly you know the way Camilla talked about it, it affected the people in the room at the time it affected her it still clearly did continue to affect her and the woman who that was got in touch with with the show in the course of listening just to say you know i'm listening to the show i was that woman you know thank you for doing this and those children have have grown up well and it was you know it was a goosebumps moment if you were listening to it it was a goosebumps moment for camilla and she kind of gave this really um and this this was a live part of the show this wasn't a a pre-recorded part so sent a direct message to this woman say i took one look at your face and i knew i had to do something and that essentially is the position and the power of the people in the royal family that they can choose to pick up on something like this and have that agency to go and then drive change so i thought that was a really sort of a powerful and special moment yeah, definitely. I think she's she's definitely making it the you know a cornerstone of her work, and she's speaking from personal experience as well. And I think that that's what's very very powerful. We always bring it back to whether it's the you know the, um, William or Harry speaking about their mother, and you know, Meghan speaking about uh, instances of of racism that she may have come across in in her life certainly. Uh, and this is something that's deeply deeply personal to Camilla, and it should be celebrated. It's it's it, it, it's a it's a forever issue, isn't it? Unfortunately, and she's not only been speaking about the greater risk of domestic abuse throughout the crisis, but she's she's done it before, and and you can you can bet your bottom dollar this is going to be a, a big thing for for for, for many years for her, um, because uh, unfortunately it is an issue in our societies, and the more we talk about it, the better. And there's some nice moments of levity too, as a bit of banter between Camilla and her son over, I think it sounded like roast chicken and the like. And um, also between Camilla and Dame Judi Dench, who seem to be kindred spirits on the internet side of things. But also, Russell, have you been watching Staged? Have you seen Staged during the lockdown? No, I've been watching Succession. I know you need, right? Everybody, if you're listening to this show and you can get a hold of stage, number one, it's got David Tennant in, who, as you may remember, I think has a lovely voice from when he did that Mental Health Minute with William and Kate. So it has him. It has uh, Michael Sheen, who is an incredible actor. And the two of them, it's sort of like what we're trying to do, where we try to carry on with our normal work via Zoom calls. So they're they're rehearsing for a play, but it has got a, it is, Hilarious. Six What's episodes. this on? BBC? BBC. I'll check it out. 15 minutes each. Message oh, from okay, Dan okay. from the gallery says, yes, it's awesome and deserves all of the awards. Um, we were going to watch one episode, watch the whole lot in one go, oh, killed sorry. ourselves laughing. And um, it's, it's just brilliant. I, I think Super. I actually said the words, it's almost worth having lockdown so that this piece of television can exist. So Oops. if you go away and watch it and don't like it, 
um, I'm really sorry, but we probably can't be friends anymore. Something, I was so. about to say, something wrong with you. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, if you need more new things in your life, we've got to that stage, then that is my recommendation. Anyway, enough of bigging that up. Um, mm. One last thing that we should talk about probably is the William and Harry splitting of the, you know, kind of another officialising of her split, really. Yeah, this is, I mean... Um... I think that people I'm speaking to is is saying on one hand it wasn't a big deal and the other they can understand why it's being considered to be quite a big deal. Now this is about the the future funds essentially from the Diana Princess Diana Memorial Fund. As it's so it's been a, a fantastic vehicle for for charities to receive money over the years. It's given over a hundred million pounds from 1997 when it was set up to about 2012 when it was essentially sort of wound down and a huge huge amounts of money. I think the, the um, Elton John's Candle in the Wind version raised over 35 million uh, for, for good causes. And uh, there's there's not too much money going through it at the moment. Obviously, the boys have, have, have gone their separate ways. They had the Royal Foundation. Now that's with William and Kate. Then you had Sussex Royal. Now you're going to have Travelist and Archwell. So it's kind of just drawing a line in the sand. However, it is very, very symbolic because this piece of paper that they've signed, which was revealed in the uh, the, the, the annual accounts of the Royal Foundation, um, essentially has said that they will split any further proceeds that come into the charity. And it's just another symbol of how far apart the boys are. They're not only very, leading very, very separate lives, but these things obviously need to be considered as well. And their their two charitable vehicles are totally separate now. That you had Royal Foundation when it was with the brothers and Kate and then you had the Fab Four were involved in it and now you've got a completely separate entities from the Royal Foundation and uh, an Archwell and then Harry's Travelist which will which will no doubt take shape over the next couple of years however um, I think it's you know it's it's quite a big deal because Archwell apparently can't receive any of this for these future funds it doesn't really have how much money it is um, because Archwell isn't registered in the UK. It's a US registered uh, organization um, as, it, as is Travelist. And so therefore, uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's another symbol, if you will, of, um, of where we're at. Uh, for his part, Harry has said that the, any money that is donated to the Dynamo Memorial Fund will go to Santa Barley. So it isn't going to be wasted at all. And obviously he is involved very, very heavily with Santa Barley. But um, again, an- another uh, a symbolic moment of uh, of what we've been building up to over the last few months and the paperwork being filed to dissolve the sussex royal charity as well so end of well the, again end i mean this is you know is it, it is end of an era i mean it'd be very very interesting to see what sort of shape archwell um takes but you know the people that i've, I've spoken to are saying it's a it's a movable feast this is something that they're they're working on yes they may have had several ideas of what it was going to be but i think just look at the way of the world now you've got coronavirus you've got um you've also got um uh, the black lives matter movement which is really really important to harry and megan they're speaking uh, across it on multiple platforms at the moment multiple issues and organizations and i think this is going to be a major major force and uh you know part of their their schedule now that they're involved within their work so we are nearly at the end for this week. Is there anything that we should be looking out for? We can look out. You can look out for some nice photos, which by the time this goes out, will be all over the web. Of uh, Sophie Wessex is attending a pub. So, I mean, attending I don't get a these pub, jobs. I don't get going these down jobs. The pub. 
Well, I mean, these are the absolute plum ones. I missed um, uh, William at the pub drinking a cider. And then Sophie Wessex was going to a local pub near her in Surrey today, Wednesday. Uh, and essentially, this is meeting local businesses, trying to get people to, uh, to come out and support your local pubs, your local restaurants, local businesses, because they're all opening up again now and they need our support. So get down your local boozer. If you need an excuse. Maybe that's the tagline. Yeah, maybe she'll <laughs> say that. <laughs> you, can, you can tune in tomorrow. Uh, the other things, yeah, exactly. Uh, other things, I think the, uh, you know, some of these reports about the Queen moving up to Balmoral are gathering pace at the moment because just today I received notice that the, um, the Royal Collection Trust has announced that Windsor Castle, the Palace of Holyrood House in Scotland, the Royal Muse at Buckingham Palace and the Queen's Galleries in London and Edinburgh, as well as the Royal Collection Shops, are opening to the public and this is very important because Windsor Castle is opening up so one would assume that the Queen will be uh, moving for her summer holidays up to Balmoral so these are all opening on the 23rd of July and so I think we will see some movement of the Queen once uh, you know the, the Scotland sort of opens up again over the next week or two so um, you know the Queen will be will be off on her hollies to Balmoral but no doubt still isolating somewhat so maybe we'll see a pop up on Zoom from time to time Well it's always good to see you pop up on Zoom Russell Likewise so- Thank you very much for joining us on the show this week. Listeners, um, you can have your say on, or say goodbye to Russell's hair when uh, I post the picture on on Instagram. I may even put up a little vote as to whether he should keep it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could do a before and after next week. But um, yes, do find us on Instagram at Podsave. We're on Twitter at Podsave. Um, If you have a moment during the lockdown to visit itunes or other podcast providers and leave us a review that would be nice with lots and lots of stars obviously hopefully because we uh, we do enjoy getting your reviews and hearing your feedback and um i think we'll do this again next week still on hopefully. the zoom we're not going to see each other in person for ages still are we russell i know i know i know but you know hopefully hopefully fingers crossed Oh, maybe we could do a special episode in Wales sometimes. We'll go on tour. Or the pub. Let's or go to pub. a pub. Or the pub. Better <laughs> option. Good. <laughs> right. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us again. Wherever you are, I hope you are safe and that you are well. And until next time. Pod save the Queen! <laughs> <laughs>